Hello, everyone. Welcome to a very special two-part episode of Hi Jinx with me, Jinx Monsoon. Today, my guest is a third-time repeat offender, my best friend, Bendela Cram. In part two of this episode, we answer fan questions from our audience members who have questions about our process, questions about this year's tour, or questions about why the hell we like each other. All of that and more in a special two-part episode wrapping up this year with a hijinks (laughs) two-parter. Get ready to buckle up, hunker down, and sink your teeth into some brand new... Hi, Jinx. M. Oh. M. Mom. everyone. I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to a brand new episode of Hi Jinx, a podcast where I, an internationally tolerated drag queen, get to interview fascinating and compelling people, compelling and fascinating people about how they became who they are and why they do what they do. Today, um, we have Bendela Krem still with me. I still haven't done that rap. <laughs> we haven't. I haven't left her. I haven't let her leave. Um, today, uh, on this... Uh, Why did you stop being able to talk between between the I last episode? Because I don't because I don't often do two parters, <laughs> so I don't know how to do a two. See, we should have done a wrap. <laughs> this is the two. This is part two of my episode, my end of the year episode with Ben Delacram. We are doing a deep dive into our um, friendship and the 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 things that got us through this year. But now um, we are going to answer questions from our audiences, our fans. Um, Joseph was kind enough to compile these questions. Thanks, Joseph. So let's just go for them. Um, These are questions we get asked a lot. So if it sounds like a rehearsed answer, it's because we... uh, Yeah, okay. Uh, First question is, how did you come up with this year's show? Now, um, it's every year it starts with kind of just a a blip of an idea, something that makes us laugh, and then it expands and we pull it like taffy until it becomes something inspired by the original idea, but not quite anywhere near it. And I think we just kind of started with a general Rosemary's baby. No, the beginning of this <laughs> was last year. We were in that I Coke know last- Den dressing room. Where is that? <laughs> that dressing room that looks like a Coke Den? Oh, you know oh, what I'm talking oh, about? oh, 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 yes, yes, it's yes, like yes, the yes. walls are red and there's round mirrors everywhere. It's um in San Diego. What is it? Is California? I don't know. The roundy wallsies. Anyway, yeah. whatever. It's a, we Chicago? were in... is that Chicago? No, it's not Chicago. Boston. It's definitely not. not I Boston. don't know, but listen, we were <laughs> in that dressing room and you started, you were like, you know what we should do for next year? And I was like, Jinx, shut up. Let's get through this year. And you That's were like, what you always say. That is what I always say. And, um, and it's always true, but you started talking about white crit, like Dela tricking Jinx oh, into right. like 
white Christmas, like saying we were going to go on vacation and then we get on stage and it's actually a retelling of white Christmas. And then we started talking about that. And through conversation, it turned into a thing where we were talking about it being a cross between white Christmas and white Lotus, um, which was, but there was a Rosemary's baby element, but that came months later. That was just the part that I liked the most, I guess. (laughs) And that was, that had nothing to do with the original, well, whatever. <laughs> I forgot all about that. Yes, the original idea was that Jinx was going to say, Dela, please, can we take this year off? And Dela was going to go, okay, Jinx, I'll arrange a vacation and we'll go on vacation. And then we get there and Jinx is like suspicious and it's like, why is this vacation on, on a stage in a theater? And why is there an audience? And Dela would be like, that's just the hotel's audience. Don't worry about it. And that did develop into... Um, the idea that is more, uh, we've been describing it as a poltergeist, duck muck and Faust. It's also <laughs> like it, but make it Christmas. And but make it's, it Christmas. But it is funny that you forgot that because it is closer to where we arrived than the Rosemary's Baby thing, which was, which is also a thing. We've talked about Rosemary's Baby multiple years. I just really love playing pregnant. I know. <laughs> Is it because you don't have to corset? I, I think I did still cinch while I played pregnant. It was a weird... That's misogynist. No, I mean, it was because I'm not a, a cis woman, so I still had to make my body curvy and then give it a baby. Um. (laughs) for the listeners at home that was me staring at jinx with disdain but it was also the vaudevillians uh, the characters from the 1920s we're getting pretty off course here okay of course it (laughs) so all right but then that was just literally all we said was about the Coke Den and Rosemary's Baby. The artistic process, right? Wasn't that the question? No, it was just, how did you come up with this year's show? And that's how we came up? Well, that's where it started. Yeah, that is where it started. And then a lot of others. At one point, Dela was going to be the leader of a cult. Oh, yeah, I was going to have a cult. At one, um, yeah, yeah. That's kind of still in there in a a vibe, but not in a narrative. But, um... Yeah, the way we come up with every year's show is we start with an idea that interests us, and then we examine that idea to death. <laughs> and, and I really encourage us to throw a lot away. But I think the I think the best work comes from a willingness to get rid of all. things. Yeah, yeah. So typically we'll spend about a week or two weeks working on pretty much a skeleton of a show and we will come up with the whole outline of a show. And then Dela will say, okay, now let's just pretend we didn't do this. Let's pretend this outline doesn't exist and let's just start over and see if anything new comes to us. That's that, that we didn't think of this time. Dela's playing with her light up overalls. If you go to her Instagram, you can see her and her bus crew have bought Walmart light up Christmas velvet overalls. I didn't mean to derail the whole conversation. Anyway, um, this... I was just lighting up my overalls. <laughs> this next question says, each year is a different show. How do you craft the concept? What is step one on the writing, on the drawing board? Well, We that, just kind of said that. That we kind of just talked about. But we do, since you asked about the drawing board, we do pretty much consistently always work with a big 
board where we move pieces around. Well, actually, usually it's just been like a wall in my a wall. home. It's just a lot yeah. of post-its on a wall. And or what we typically well, remember do... Remember, we we've used hotels, TV screens. Yeah. What we typically do is we write down all the first like ideas that are in our mind, all the ideas that like have been kind of stirring around in our brains through the last year, any topics that we want to talk about, we put them all down on post-it cards. And um, then we put down the numbers that we know are in there every year, the opening number and the closing number. And then we kind of just play around with a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. I mean, I usually like, we usually go in and have sort of, we'll have a color that we write down every topic that we're interested in. And that'll be like anything from like, here's something that came up this year that we're interested in into like Santa. Yeah. Because like, that's gotta be in the show. So then we have like our pile of topics and then we have our pile of like, okay, here's songs we're interested in figuring out a parody this year. Or here's like a, a, like a bit, like a physical comedy bit or whatever. So that it's basically like we have, a content pile and like a form pile. And then we can play mix and match with those. Yeah. That's how I ended up writing a queer, be- a, a, a Ted talk about queer baiting on Rudolph. Mm-hmm. It was very much like a <laughs> spin a roulette and see what topics land together. Yeah. It's like that game we just played on the today show. <laughs> um, This just is, what is a workshop like between both of you all? A workshop. I think we're just we Getting just keep talking about the same thing. The same question. We're which, gonna skip that one. Well, wait. There was something else about this that was. Oh, I wanted to say about what we were saying earlier about how you were talking about. We'll come up with a full thing, and then I'll say like, "All right, now let's look at it again." And this, when we like know something's right, is when we come back around to yeah. the same thing twice from different angles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have done that, and that is a good test of like, is this something? Full, is this concept full enough that we can make a whole show out of it? Yeah. You know, um, I have to say, I also really like that we. A big part of my process, just individually, is watching that year's horror films. Because horror almost always finds, like the significant horror films of that year always finds a way into my work. Which is funny to say about a Christmas show, but you've always allowed me to sneak in little moments well, of I'm horror. I'm a horror fanatic. I know you are, but like you are the one who has to keep us on the Christmas track as That's the true. producer. You're the one who's always reminding us. But I have to say we've gotten more adept at working horror in organically into our Christmas concepts. <laughs> I don't feel like, I mean, it, to me, it doesn't feel like we're quote unquote, working it like it's not like we have to find it, but it's just what na- that's what naturally develops from us coming from that place that we were talking mm-hmm. about where we're just like not overthinking it. But we're just like letting it flow. It's just yeah. sort of that's what naturally happens. This year's show is the most spooky spooky, I think. Yeah. <laughs> this one comes straight from the root chakra. Was anything in the show killed that one of you really wanted to stay in? Um, of this year? Of this year? Well, I... 
Well, I guess you, Rosemary's baby. Yeah, the Rose, we killed her baby, but um, it's still in there in a way. It's just not me playing pregnant. You know what? I will say the thing that I was kind of sad. We never really figured it out. So it's not really like, it's hard to be sad about something that was never really fleshed out. But I had, we at one point had a vision for checking into the hotel with a big, choreographed like hotel number and I really thought it would be fun to do a, a parody of Annie uh, from the musical Annie but it was the I wrong think thing. I'm gonna like it here I know it was the wrong thing for this yeah but I think uh that doesn't mean we won't I mean like yeah. Krampus has we have a Krampus number in there that you've been wanting to do some version of this for a really long time and it was never the right fit and then this year it was so who knows and it's like Oh, um, one thing we were excited about but couldn't figure out logistically was two-person horse costumes doing a tap dance or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, one of us was more excited about that one than the other was. But. Oh, I'll work on it. I'll yeah. work on you. Okay. <laughs> what has been What has been your favorite memory on tour so far? Um, I'm guessing this year's, well, let's say, what's your favorite memory from this year's to tour so far? And what's your favorite memory from touring overall? I think really, truly, my favorite memory, just, it pops up in my head constantly, is when, um, uh, Natasha Dimitrio and, um, Harvey Guillen and, why am I forgetting? Oh my gosh. Anyway, uh, the cast of what we do in the, the cast of what we do in the cast and crew of what we do in the shadows. But, um, it was Natasha and Harvey who coordinated with us to me. That was just so much fun because it was such a, like, a what a crossover, a bunch of vampires coming to see our holiday show. Which, like, it was delightful to have them there, and I admire them so much. And also, that was such an off night for me. That's actually not a good memory. For I know. Me because I had one of, like, I don't have a lot of shows that I'm like, oh, I had a bad show tonight. But that was one of them. I know, I know <laughs> that that was a, but, uh, okay, so I oftentimes remember like I know that like in my logistical brain my rational brain I know that was an off night for you and yet it is still a favorite memory of mine just us meeting the <laughs> cast and and then being really really excited to meet us and and even our off nights our work is solid you know and we've, true. I've always said like we can be a little bit off and still deliver a pretty no damn it's good true show. our 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 70% is a lot of people's hundred. Sorry about it. Um, <laughs> uh, my favorite memory from this year so far. Oh, bo, 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 bo. I'm so bad at this question. I feel like it's, I, I things blur together so much. And it's like, I think rather than having specific memories that I'm like, this is a favorite memory. It's like, I love, the moment before the show, before act one, and then the moment before act two, where me and Chloe, our choreographer, like cross paths and make the same face at each other every night. You know, it's like, there's stuff like that that oh, is yeah. my favorite that's just the sort of like, 
it's this amorphous ongoing thing. But you asked me to like say a specific memory and I'm like, I don't remember anything. I'll say this year, it was one of the hardest GD days of the tour thus far. And it could have it could have just really sent us all into a downward emotional spiral. We had a press day in between two show days, and the schedule was such that we, Dayla and I had to wake up at 6 a.m. on the bus and start doing our makeup on a moving bus. And those tour buses being I very, very large. I thought you were talking large. about the other press day, but no, yes. That was- those tour buses being very, very large and bumping around while you're trying to do precision eyeliner and paint your eyebrows on. It was not so. That was wild. And Actually, it's like that was like a minute ago and I already forgot about it. I know. It. And that day was jam-packed with events and we were working all day and it was stressful. And in the past, that could have been a day that like really pissed us all off and we would have been really sick of each other. And by the end of that day, oh, and then we had to do a show that night. By the end of that day, Oh my God, that's right. We were right. so exhausted, but we had done it all so well. Yeah. Everyone had remained in good moods. Yep. The press that we did was effective and mm-hmm. fun. And that to me is a wonderful memory because it is not historically true for us that a day that could be that frustrating would go so smoothly. <laughs> we uh, we can get emotionally volatile when we are um, overworked and underslept. And somehow this year, we were all just like, nope, we know how to do this. Totally. Nothing can throw us off. And we fucking nailed it. I feel it. like that in so many regards this year where there's just a lot of like, we know what we can pull off at this point. Watch out, world. We've stopped doubting ourselves. Yeah, I mean, kind of for real. <laughs> um, next question is, what has been your least favorite memory on tour so far? Uh, um, why am I so bad at this game? Anytime somebody asks me for specific memories, I'm oh, like... God, mine's so stupid, but... What is it? The water bottles. Oh, what my! Well, it was one water bottle. No, it was two different nights. I just didn't let you know about the other night. This year? Yeah. So. Um, oh my god. Just two different nights. A water bottle has been left on stage, but it's it's no one's fault on our team really it's just that there's supposed to be someone sweeping from the venue sweeping the stage every night and when i see a water bottle left on stage it makes me think a uh, they didn't sweep the stage and b why did no one take a look at the stage and make sure it was just at least clear of debris before the show started, you think? But that's just me being a cunt, you know. Like I, I I'm sure See, it's there's like, a million and my things. Bad You're the producer. On those, my bad memory on those days <laughs> is your response, is your reaction. <laughs> so the water bottle is your bad memory, and <laughs> do you hate it that much when I <laughs> when you what when I. When I stop the show entirely, just to just to scream at the staff of the venue <laughs> that, we, that is so gracious as to host us of the venue that has invited but us into like their doors. They know doors. I'm joking, right? Do they? I told I. Well, I for my shows, I always do at soundcheck. 
I always do an announcement to everyone working that if I make any jokes about the venue or the staff, it's just jinx the character making the joke and the jinx the actor really doesn't give a shit. All right. You hear that world? If you get bullied by jinx ever in the future... It was, That's not what I mean. It was just acting. When you're on stage, when you're on stage and something goes wrong, you got to make a joke out of it. I mean, yes, but the joke doesn't have to be reprimanding the people in the room. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I could find a less bitchy way to make the joke. It's okay. I have trouble not um, being bitchy in my jokes when people in the audience are disruptive. I have a very difficult time with that. I To me, I feel like I'm de-escalating the situation by making a tongue-in-cheek joke about it. But um, I well, can energetically, see how... I feel that I have to bring you back after that, <laughs> which I know how to do now, so it's yeah. fine. But but when I can that see happens on stage, I have to like, like bring you back, diva. Like someone's gonna lose their job. I mean, it is of... very bad. Well, I don't actually want anyone to lose their job. I don't actually care. Well, as we all know, intention is one hundred percent of <laughs> <laughs> what's important at all times. I don't um, actually care, though. It's just like. Should there be a water bottle on the stage? Probably not. This is, <laughs> it, it is honestly amazing how long you've been able to think about this water bottle. This is like the holiday in. Because like it's one thing when. Like, of 2019. Like when, a, when an audience member sets their drink up on the stage, it's clear who's in the fault there. You're still talking about this when water bottle. When a water bottle. bottle is left on stage, I don't oh know God. who to be mad at. I don't, if your listeners all haven't tuned out by now, then like, I don't. <laughs> Listen, Jesus this is what podcasts Christ. are. The water bottle, oh my God. Have there been any onstage mistakes? We're going to skip that one because of what we were just. Well, also, Jinx's heel broke on stage the other oh, day. Oh, yeah. Um, this year, there have been two moments of um, pretty silly onstage mistakes. Um, during our Fosse number, my heel broke. So at the very beginning, so I had to like spend half the number, most the number, um, uh, balancing on my toes just in one foot. A couple nights ago, I accidentally died. Just in one foot is my favorite. Just in one foot. <laughs> but okay, but it's, it's a couple a nights real- ago. Wait, I not what the heel thing though. It's, I will say that it is a <clears throat> testament to our team and uh, the way that we are all like in sync that you were able to just kind of like make pretty like discreet Subtle eye gestures, contact yeah. with hunky off stage and he knew exactly what to do and got your other pair of shoes and then when he came out to change your costume actually change your shoes on stage and you guys were able to do it so fluidly that I was in scene with you the entire time and did not realize it was happening until it was almost over. <laughs> yeah. Um, we also, uh, there was a night I knocked Dela's um, mic out of <laughs> her hand and she lunged to the floor to get it. Then was I, on I her knees. I made a bit out she of it. Made a bit I have out to say it. I was pretty, I felt you, pretty good about it. You did about... make a bit out of it. But like when you're in a corset, getting up off the ground is not I don't not know how you do it, but you have thing. better hips than I do. 
I mean, only this year, but it's because my hips were so bad on my tour that I've been working my hips back up since then because I had a whole thing. I couldn't, I could barely walk for the first Do week you have of my last tour. too, or is it muscular? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think, uh, well, I have psoriatic arthritis in my joints. God, we're in our... Ugh, anyway, um, <laughs> I have psoriatic arthritis, but my hip problems are because of that car being hit by... That car when oh, Paul yeah, ran yeah. me down. And probably shouldn't have done that. Um, <laughs> probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> How do you handle stress on the tour? Most stressful moment. Um, I will say that the most stressful moment at any given point on the tour is when it's five minutes to the show starting and one of us is having some kind of costume or makeup emergency. Mm -hmm. I had a makeup emergency a couple nights ago and it was just one of those moments where you've spent two and a half hours doing your makeup and then at the last possible second you poke yourself in the eye with your black eyeliner and somehow all uh, every you just lose control and then there's black ink all over your eyes and you look like you've just been slugged by two baseballs and it was horrible and then you try to fix it and it just gets worse and then you start stressing and when you stress you sweat and that makes the makeup worse and then you gotta like <laughs> oh my god and then people are coming in every 30 seconds to be like are you ready to get in your costume now we gotta start soon we gotta start soon anything I can do to help and when someone's asking you anything I can do to help when your makeup is going wrong you're like yeah why don't you learn how to do makeup and then come over here and fix my face uh, did you have a night like that at all yet? No, it's just you. No, no. <laughs> you had a yeah, nightmare. We always have our we always have our things. What was it? I don't remember what I didn't have a makeup night, but I'm sure I had some sort of something. I have all sorts of things all the time. I have to pee all the time before <laughs> shows now. I feel like I can I never feel like I it's like it's so you know, when you are like having to like tuck and pad and then put on four pairs of tights and then put on a corset, it's like peeing is a real to do. And mm -hmm. so I always feel like I need to do it at like the last possible moment. Mm. And when we get like, you know, a five minute like hold for the house or something because the audience is still getting settled, then suddenly I'm like, well, it all has to come off. And that drives me nuts. But it's like, but I really, I have to time it so that I only have time to get fully dressed and walk on stage. If there's any longer to pause, I suddenly have to pee. Uh, and <clears throat> the things you just described as part of the process, sometimes I pee and then I, and then the process of getting dressed takes 20 minutes and by the time I'm dressed I'm like I have to pee yeah it's terrible <laughs> um, how and I have to be well tucked in this show because I wear some very fitted pants in the second scene <laughs> normally she's just propellering all around I mean sometimes there. you can get away with a little bit of a, a, a sloppy tuck sloppy <laughs> <laughs> I've been very vocal about handling stress with weed and video games. Dayla, what are your go-to stress handlers? How do you handle stress? Oh, God. Um, you love massages. massages. I do, yeah. I have a, I'm going to get a massage tomorrow. Scotty and I are going. I'm going to get cupped tomorrow. 
Oh yeah, have you I'm, been cupped? I've before? never been cupped. Are you gonna before. have big bruises on your back for? No, the show? I'm, not, I'm getting it on my hip. On your butt. Yeah, I'm gonna a, have butt cups. Butt cups. Butt cups. <laughs> no, uh, but yes, that. Um, also, uh, like meditating is important to me, but it's like <laughs> brief intense meditation like there's not a lot of time so i but i do have like you very intentional i kind of power meditate i hear that and uh journaling is also a big tool for me although i have to say i've not been i i need to get back in my as we were talking about in the last episode <laughs> my discipline around journaling <laughs> um we together for the first year I don't think we've ever done this before in the past, but we started, uh, we haven't done it every time, but when possible, we've gone and gotten our nails done together, mm -hmm. which um, has been a nice little reset for us every couple of weeks, you know, and then there's just no feeling like having your nails freshly done. You get to look down and they're, com they're completely uniform. I know right now we're dealing with chips and cracks and breaks and stuff, but um, yeah, it's been a nice little, it, it takes a little bit of, I don't know. In the past, it's always felt like there's no time to do these little things. Mm -hmm. And I think, once again, because we have such a crackerjack team of people, we actually have been finding these moments to break away from the theater and do a little self-care. I got my came. roots done the other day. Right. I know. <laughs> uh, okay, next question. Um Name each other's go-to food on the road. Oh, kind bar is for daylight. Yeah. Dayla loves a kind bar. Yeah, that's always my, <clears throat> like, I know I have to be in a corset and I just need a little something to get me through. I, I, like juice shots. Yeah. Juice shots are your lifeblood these become, days. They've become my lifeblood. And it's my... not really food, but it's no, but it's it, jinx food now. It's, it's like a, you're like a hummingbird. To me, I like it. It, it for it, it feels like a ritual, a self care moment, and um, a grounding moment all at once. How many juice shots do you suck down a day? Uh, probably six: three turmeric and three ginger, at least a day, and then. Um, and then usually a couple others too. <laughs> and then I'll have a green juice in there that they, I have just been finding that with my schedule, the most efficient way to stay nutritious is just to drink things quickly, <laughs> which has always been one of my talents. I've also um, been eating a lot of Doritos on this tour. Doritos. An unpleasant good. amount of Doritos. They're just always there for some reason. You have done some... Oh, this is a question. You have done some big press in the past few weeks. How does it feel being on national daytime television? Um, That day was a cookie crazy I for us. I felt nuts, yeah, because we didn't get into the hotel until 2, and then we would wake up at 2 a.m. the night before. Well, the 2 a.m. that morning, and then yeah, we woke yeah. up at 6 to... So we, yeah, we got roughly four hours. Track. Daytime television, I'll be completely honest, is always a little... I get anxious because I know I'm not supposed to swear. And it's not like I don't. I love that that's what makes, oh, yeah. I know that I, I know that I, I, you know, I have to be around kids occasionally and I know how to watch my language. Uh, I know how to be a functioning human being. But the second someone says you can't swear, it's like, 
fuck me. That's so the funny. first fucking thing I want to do. I have, <laughs> I have such a, I swear like a fucking sailor out of drag, but it's like as soon as I put on drag, I just stop and it's not even like, I don't think about it. No, I double down in drag. I know. I, I, I curse three times as but much. But it's truly like, I don't think about it, but I swear constantly out of drag. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, uh, daytime TV stresses me out because I am not good in the morning. Like when I wake up, my drag is not intended for the well, morning. Well, drag is not intended for the morning in like a practical sense, but also I'm just not a morning person and my brain is not firing. I don't feel I don't feel funny in the morning. Mm. I don't feel quick in the morning. And so uh, so yeah, those daytime appearances feel hard for me. Although I will say that just like kind of once you and I are up there and a camera's rolling, it all just sort of falls into place. Yeah. But I'm always very anxious about it. Yeah. And daytime television is so, well, live television period is so regimented and everything is like, and they're planning out every second that you're on air mm -hmm. and they're telling you the plan, but also the plan is constantly changing yes or they come up and they tell you the plan and then another person comes up and tells you the plan and it sounds like they're telling you something different but it's the plan you just heard but they're saying it in a tone of voice that makes it sound like you're supposed to be getting new information and then when they walk away and they you realize you haven't got any information you're like did i hear that correctly has the plan changed or not changed tv people okay <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you watch on the road? Are you watching anything right now? On the bus today, we watched uh, Elf and uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. We watched a Muppet Christmas Carol last night before bed. Yeah. We haven't watched uh, many things as a group, but I've personally been re-watching Superstore because we do a number in the show set in a Walmart essentially and it it reminded me I wanted to uh, remind me how funny that show is it's I don't really show. watch stuff on the road I have to have something that I put on at the end of the night that is my like okay and now the night's over and this is my TV show to watch before bed and that tells my brain that the day's over if I I I usually do not watch things before I usually just like go and like crash pretty hard but if I do watch anything, it's ASMR videos. Uh, no, that's I like to watch ASMR videos. In but it. I do believe that like the same comfort people get out of ASMR videos, I get out of watching reruns. And I think Gus is the same. Yeah. And I, I've talked about it before, but people with high anxiety um, like watching reruns because they already know what's going to happen. There's no information you have yeah. to take in. Um, so it's familiar. It's, it's my smooth brain hour yeah, where totally. uh, it winds me down. Um, so I'm watching Superstore and I was also watching Cheers at the very beginning of the tour, but I'm always watching Cheers because there's a there's a live streaming station that's always playing Cheers. I like that. Since you asked, I like ASMR videos where people are checking you into an office. <laughs> I forgot to, I, 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 I was going to assume it wasn't eating because you can't no, stand No, you God. Those are so gross. No, I like the ones checking where they're like, offices? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a receptionist will be checking you into an office and they're sort of like, they're like asking you like mundane questions, then typing or writing things on a piece of paper. I did not know. That. Okay. I love those sounds. Typing sounds and writing on piece of paper sounds. Love them. Mm -hmm. 
the next question is, why do you come back to this every year? What does it make you feel? Now, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but um, I really do love that this show has the purpose of giving, I mean, at its core, whatever the theme is that year, what we always strive to do is to give people a place where they feel welcomed, where they feel like they 100% belong, and where they feel a a sense of community and belonging to a group bigger than themselves. Uh, in case they don't have that this time of year, because this is a time of year where there's so much emphasis put on community, but it is typically skewed towards heteronormative, white, uh, typical American communities leaving the marginalized out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what was the question again? Um, what makes you what brings you back every year and how does it feel so oh, to yeah, me yeah. that's what brings me back is yeah. is that it's more than just a show it's, well yeah it's, it's that got sense of service meaning. that we were talking yeah. about you know it's like it's you know it's there's something about doing something that yeah has that sense of purpose feels like it's not just for you feels like it's bigger than you this show feels like it's bigger than us Mm -hmm. um that there is like you know there's ben de la creme there's jinx there's their careers and then there's like this larger thing we've created that doesn't that no longer belongs to us it belongs to what does that mean a minkazoid? Megazoid. Oh, a megazoid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I um, I, I bring, I'm, I have the pink pterodactyl. <laughs> you bring in, what, the black triceratops? and But it it doesn't belong to us anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it does, but it also belongs to this entire cast and crew, and it also belongs to all the people who have come to, to rely on it in some yeah. sense every year. People who do say, like, this is my holiday tradition, you know? And, like, I do feel... Um, uh, obligation isn't the right word to uphold that, but it, but it, but it's not not an obligation. But it's like one a that calling. I'm like honored. Yeah, I'm like it's, honored to have that. Like it's like um, I guess purpose is the word you used, and that's what it is. Yeah, and yeah, we both do other work. We both do solo work, and I'm proud of the work that I do. I love the work that I do with major scales and I think um, we do shows with purpose, but there is something about this show because the season, (laughs) no matter who you are, you have to go through winter. And so much of what we experience in winter is derived from the fact that it is fucking difficult to get through winter. Historically, all of the celebration around winter is just celebrating that you fucking survived it. (laughs) Yeah. I also, I don't know how to, like I'm thinking about this right now and it's like, I don't quite know how to explain this, but I do feel like, I don't even know why. I'm like, I don't know why. I feel like holiday show, I feel like I was always destined to do holiday Mm -hmm. shows. I don't know why, but I do feel like 
you know, the first show, you know, I talk all the time about the first time I saw Varla Jean Merman and how much it like blew my mind and how I was like, oh my God, the the world of drag was sort of like exploded for me in that moment. And that was her holiday ham show. And it was right. Like, and I don't think about that often, but it's like, yeah, that was like that first my first like real like link to everything I saw drag being able to be was linked to the holidays. And, um, I don't know. There is like, you know, Dina Martinez drag show every year. There's like, I mean, drag and the holidays are so intertwined for me. For some reason, it just feels like base camp. I don't know. Can't explain it. Well, I think about the fact that gay bars and nightclubs and night, nightlife spaces were our early safe spaces as a community. And so if you were someone who didn't go home for the holidays, you were probably going to a bar and that bar quite possibly had a drag show. And I have to imagine that drag queens have always entertained the queers who don't go home for the holidays. It's just another way in which we, the queens, serve our serve our people. Our secret uh, purpose. <laughs> um, this question's cute. The first time you both celebrated the holidays together, and that had to have been the first time I was because ca- I usually would go home for Christmas for the holidays, and you know. Um, Christmas was my favorite time of year with my family, but after my grandma passed away, it was this really kind of sad, loaded thing for a few years because we didn't really know how to do Christmas without her and my family. And at the time, I was kind of grateful for something to kind of give me a chance to reset the holidays for myself a little bit because they had started, we had started like my family. It was just kind of like, we got together just to be sad that Nana wasn't there, you know? And now we've reclaimed Christmas time. I mean, we we float it because I had this show, but every year my family comes to this show. Every year um, we have a Christmas party on Christmas Day, and sometimes I'm there with you, and sometimes I go home to Portland, and I'm with my chosen family and my blood family. But all of this is to say... I never imagined that I would be someone who would work on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. But because the show has a purpose, it always feels like really special to do that. And I don't know, something about performing on a holiday. But when was that first one? Right? They they said when was their first holiday together? uh, It must have been 2012. Oh, really? Yeah. That late? 2011? I graduated in 2010. Oh, dear God. Really? Okay. And I think it was about a year. I think I did Freedom Fantasia before we. I was cast in your other. Yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah. I think that's correct. Yeah, so maybe it was like 2012. Jeez. Um, yeah, I... Uh, did you, did you come to the... Chris, did you come to my house on Christmas Day that year, do you think? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Were you wearing that weird wig? I have a lot of photos of you at my old house. No. On, it was one Christmas and you're wearing that, this like white. No, that was the year after I won. That was when I just started trying to wear wigs in my day to day. And that I one was like, it was like, a, it was five. like white yarn. It was like a yarn. It was yarn like a white texture. yarn wig that I was trying to pull off. It was, showed up in on Christmas and I have some very cute pictures of that Christmas. It's very weird. Um, and we had Gremlins 2 projecting. I was trying to re, I was trying to reinvent my day to day look. The, 
I have to say, like all through the years that you've known me, all those times of re- every time I've gone through some kind of weird like image phase, it's always just been trying to figure out that I'm trans. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like for years I had hats that I wore and I'm like, oh, those hats were just, that's what I felt like I could pass as male ass, but still feel like I looked like myself. To that, you know? Yes, that so. fully makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I wish we were talking about gender identity in this episode, but we've already talked about 5,000 things. <laughs> um, so that, that was our first time celebrating the holidays together. And um, we've done it in some capacity every yeah, I mean, there were some years we weren't together for the holidays, but we've come back. And now it's pretty much a fixture for us. We yeah. spend our holidays together. And with each other's families. We always see each other's blood families and chosen families, too. We have a lot of overlap in our chosen family, but we also have our own individual chosen families. It's true. It's, That's the beauty of chosen families. You can have, there can be as many members as you want. Yeah. You just got to choose them. Final question. Are you remember? Are you remember? Are you ready? I am remember. (laughs) Remember, this is our our only off day in between many, many shows. So if Jinx has been uh, for the listeners at home, Jinx has been over the course of the last two episodes watching me slowly peel a breathe right strip (laughs) off of my nose and sort of make origami. And it's currently trying not to talk about it since. I know, but I figured we'd sort of get to it at the end. It's like a fun (laughs) twist where people are like, whoa, that was happening the whole time. Well, I don't know what the payoff is. Well, I don't know. M. Night Shyamalan movies are this is about this exciting at the end. So Um, this next this next question is very sweet. Is what is your favorite performance trait of each other? Oh, yeah. I have always loved the way that Dela can take very complex theories and complex conversation topics and discuss them in the most lighthearted way. But that's less of a performance trait. That's more of like her as a writer. I just think it's worth um, stating. Um, <laughs> performance trait. Um, well, I always am the most impressed when people can get a huge amount of laughter at us out of a small amount of effort. I think my favorite performance trait of Dela's is that she can hold an audience's attention and get building laughter throughout just watching her change her facial expression. She like in every show, we watch her go on a thought journey where her facial expression tells us every thought that's in her head. <laughs> and it might take like 30 seconds long, but like we will watch her face just contort into every shape and the audience will just watch it as long as she'll do it. It's very impressive. I can't, I honestly can't believe I still am always surprised when the audience will go on that journey with me. But I was actually going to say the same thing is like that. I think like, you know, both of us have like our big showy bombastic performance traits. But like, I think one of my favorite things with you is like how much you can get out of a silence, you know? And it's like, and I think when we, and especially this year, actually, I mean, we've, we've always had that thing where it's like, there will be a silence. It's maybe like just facial expression or whatever that we get a a lot of mileage out of. But this year also, I feel like more than ever, we have sort of like quiet scenes where we are speaking, but it's very like 
subdued and minimal, which is very much in contrast to like most of what we're doing on stage. And I find those to be like very satisfying. I like when you and I have like our very small, intimate, quiet moments. I I like that a lot too. Um, You and I both, kind of detest things that pose as comedy but aren't comedy. Uh, um, uh, you detest when um, recognizability is... Recognition <laughs> is not a joke. <laughs> Recognizing something doesn't make it funny. <laughs> just because, like, when someone just says something but there's no setup or punchline, they're just referencing they're just, something that And why do people laugh at that? Why are you laughing at that? Are you laughing at that? Listener at home, are you a person who laughs when they hear somebody say, um, uh, what's a quote that always gets a laugh? Uh, not today, Satan. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about Bianca saying it. That's Bianca's joke. Someone saying it in complete just, non-context, non-sequitur, just like. And then do you laugh as if it's a joke because you have heard it before? I need you to think about that. I need you to sit down and think about what you've done. See, and one thing that pisses me off is when someone's just being loud and that's being mistaken as Uh funny. Like, um, okay, so I'm someone who uses volume to be funny selectively. I love growling. I love going from quiet to loud. But you got to like be... Playing with the volume. Yes. Dela is always talking as a as a producer and as a director about not letting all the tricks out at once. You know, like you don't want to if you if you give it all your tricks away at the beginning of the show, you have nowhere to build to. So if you are someone who utilizes volume for humor, remember that being loud is only funny if you have first been quiet. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> juxtaposition is what makes that funny um just because it's the hijinks podcast and the last one of the year before we go into 2024 we have to close out the um this two-part episode with the compulsory questions i already know that you're spiritual we've talked about that in episode one so we don't have to go over that I know your go-to karaoke song is mr boombastic but do you have a do you have a different one uh, no, Mr. Bombastic is still the the go to, but I will also say that uh, I uh, I'm pretty handy with Melissa Etheridge. I'm the only one in octave down. It sounds really good in octave down. Um, I have not done karaoke in so long. I don't even know what my karaoke song would be right now. But um, I've just been into '70s acid rock. It would probably be something like um. Uh, I've got my witchy woman rocks off, but, um, oh, I want to sing something from hair, <laughs> like mm. dawning of the age of Aquarius or let the, let the sun shine. I don't know. You're like, oh, I'm in my acid rock phase. And then you give the most musical theater student answer. Whatever. <laughs> Who's your celebrity crush today? Danny DeVito. <laughs> I've really been on a Danny DeVito kick. You know, I feel like, I don't know why, but I have just been, I think he's a, a, Adorable. Like, you know, and not to be, I don't know, maybe that's something that people who are shorter hear too often and is annoying, but like, but it's not because he's short. It's because he has like those big puppy dog eyes. And I've just, I've always felt really drawn to Danny DeVito. And it's something I'd sort of forgotten about, but I recently rediscovered it. And I feel like, you know, he's one of those, I feel 
I feel very aware after the loss of Paul Rubens that it's like you gotta you gotta get in there and meet those people while you can. And Danny DeVito is is hanging out with Danny DeVito's on my bucket list. I just think he'd be the sweetest. He just seems like the nicest guy. I know that's not necessarily an answer to my celebrity crush, but I have been thinking about him a lot. That's fine. You get to answer however you want. Okay. No one's judging. If you want to bang Danny DeVito, bang him. Who's your celebrity crush today? Ben Feldman. He plays Jonah on Superstory. So hot. Oh, all right. Yeah. He's a, I mean, the character of Jonah is decis- decidedly obnoxious, uh, but um, I'd still do him. Yeah, I mean, you... I do lots of obnoxious people. Obnoxious is not not your type. In fact, it kind of it's draws me in. Yeah, it, <laughs> it does, yeah. Well, I just want to thank you because we... Um, we sat here basically for two hours talking when that's what we do every night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I want to thank all the listeners to Hijinks for listening throughout the year. You know, um, thank you for your patience and understanding as uh, podcasts can be difficult to, to record when you got a busy schedule. But I keep doing this podcast because I gain as much from it as the sweet people tell me they do when they get the chance. So if you're someone who listens to this podcast consistently, I keep doing it because you tell me you get something from it and that gives me something to get from it. So thank you for that. It gives this entertainment purpose. Hey! <laughs> intention even intention um if you have not already seen the jinx and taylor holiday show if you don't know if we're coming to your town uh you can go to jinxandela.com um you'll find out everything about the show uh and how to see it if we're coming near you but not to your exact city I'm sorry. You know, we can only do so many days in the month of December. So meet us halfway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't comment in the section. You didn't come to. Somebody I don't know. Somebody commented geography. the other day. You didn't come to central New York. Uh, we listen. We were in two different cities in New York there. We didn't. We, we There's a lot of states we couldn't go to at all. Yeah. So, so they, I just, you know, uh, uh, I'm not going to criticize anyone. I'm just going to say commenting in the comment section will not change the route of the tour. Yes, that is true. <laughs> It won't change the calendar year. <laughs> it won't change the calendar year. All it will do is make it won't us change the relationship of time to space. It'll make us sigh out of frustration because because of all these circumstances we are now. And then listening. we immediately cross your city off future <laughs> future possible tour dates. I'm making my list um, and checking it twice. Uh, okay. Thank you all so much for listening to Hi Jinx here on the Forever Dog and Moguls of Media Network. My name is Jinx Monsoon, and we have new episodes every Wednesday starting once again in the new year. So make sure to search for Hi Jinx on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe. You can follow me at the Jinx on Instagram or at Jinx Monsoon everywhere else except for TikTok. Talk. I'm at Jinx Monsoon official on there. And um, I'll see you next year for some more. Hi, Jinx. M. Oh. M. Mom. 
To listen to Hijinks one day early and ad free, sign up for Mom Plus at mompodcasts.plus. Hijinks is produced by Moguls of Media, aka Mom, hosted by me, Jinx Monsoon, and produced by Joseph Shepard. Editing and sound design by Will Pitts. Executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Big Dipper, and Joe Cilio.